Welcome to the London Institute of Banking and Finance podcast. Today we're talking about financial education with Andy Davis, who's one of the contributors to our 140th anniversary book and a financial journalist, and Catherine Winter, the Managing Director of Financial Capability for the Institute. It's been five years since financial education was included on the national curriculum and LIBF has been teaching financial education in schools for over 10 years. So that means children are getting access to financial education in schools and everything's great. Isn't that correct? Uh, well, if only. Yeah, it's um, I don't think it really is correct, actually. No, I mean. It's true to say that financial education is uh, formally part of the curriculum. The coalition government um, made citizenship um, the place where financial education would live from the 2014 academic year onwards. Um, But I mean, two years later, as as I say in the chapter, the money charity polled um, a large group of teachers and found that a third of them were unaware that the change had happened at all. Um, So, I think it's fair to say that it wasn't particularly well managed or communicated, even though it, it was progress that this happened. But I think that you know the bigger issue here is that this this has almost always been a Cinderella subject, and and, and it's ended up as we stand now split between citizenship, some of it falls into maths, and some falls into PSHE as it as it's known in schools. Um, so it's sort of dispersed across the curriculum. It's not always clear who's really responsible for delivery and monitoring the excellence or the quality of what's delivered. Um, and I think as a result, there's really little pressure on schools to sort of achieve excellence in this area on the, on the principle that sort of what gets measured gets done. And all of that, I think, is in spite of the fact that, you know, your own polling and other polling shows that there's actually very strong demand from pupils for this. People really do want to know about how to manage money. So I think, you know, yes, it's in the curriculum, but it's not in the main a statutory subject. In fact, it was the only bit of citizenship that was left out of being made statutory from 2020. So I think it remains a marginal Cinderella subject, but one about which pupils really do want education and support and guidance. Yeah, I would very much agree with what you've just said there, Andy. I think one of the other things that's actually um, really interesting is uh, there's a new, there was a new Ofsted framework launched in September, and Ofsted have brought in something called personal development or character development. Um, but along with how often Ofsted uh, frameworks are, they're quite ambiguous as to what they mean by that. So some of the schools who've already got quite a good focus on financial education have kind of picked up on that and said well actually here's a really good area where you know we 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 see how important it is for our young people to have the life skill of getting some financial education they've seen the link that there strongly is with um mental health awareness as well we know it's one of the strongest links with why young people what they worry young people worry about so there are some schools who've been quite good at making that link and saying, well, you know, we'll continue to do it or we'll introduce it. But as you say, because it wasn't the E part, the economics was not made compulsory from 2014. You've already got an extremely squeezed curriculum for most schools um, year in, year out, being asked to do more and more. And unfortunately, I think until it does become a compulsory subject or it's a subject that is actually going to be um monitored by Ofsted, which it currently isn't, 
unfortunately, and I, I hate to say this because I do feel for schools and the pressure on them, on head teachers and on teachers to deliver, there will be um, there'll be many schools who just won't deliver any financial education or they'll just deliver as you say in economics or in maths uh, or in citizenship they might just do a half hour an hour on budgeting and therefore feel that they can confidently tick a box to say their young people have had some financial education and we know that that it's just not impactful enough at all for the, the issues that young people are facing and the kind of level of debt they're starting to get themselves into yeah i i mean that's that that's absolutely right um and i think you know the 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 gloom if you like that i sort of uh paint about the situation shouldn't obscure the fact that there are actually i think um some very positive things happening i mean of course a lot of it at the moment because it's so piecemeal a lot of it does depend on individual school leaderships and i mean if your child or is lucky to be in a school where the importance of this is recognized and the leadership of the school do see the links that you draw for example between mental well-being and financial capability and confidence actually you know it's it's quite possible for very good financial education to be delivered i mean not least the courses that the libf makes available for schools and supports and there are also some very good charities delivering work in the classroom but it's just so it's like the postcode lottery in health it's just it's it's where you live and and that's really not good enough i mean money is a subject that everybody needs a basic level of competence with because otherwise how can you actually function and support yourself yeah uh, in adult society i mean we often will go out and support schools um, at open evenings where they're trying to, we may have an individual teacher or a head teacher who's very keen to introduce it and we have a team of people who'll go out and support schools to do that. And one of the things I've always found, I've done quite a lot of those myself, is the number of parents who will come up to me and say, I wish I'd been taught this when I was at school. We, we know that one of the issues, I mean, we, we often get asked, should this be taught at school or should this actually just be taught at home like lots of things but the problem with it being taught at home is you'll often have um, homes where people don't have particularly good financial habits and will maybe even pass on bad advice or bad habits so I whilst I am an advocate for parents or grandparents or aunts or uncles getting involved and talking about money with the young people at home I do feel strongly that to be the most impactful that has to be you know it has to be delivered at school it has to really we know from our young person's money index that young people are saying they want proper lessons in this they don't want just half an hour on budgeting in in citizenship where we deliver in the 800 odd schools that we currently deliver our level one to three quals you know when we go in and we talk to the teachers and we talk to the students they love what they're learning they're they're actually really enjoying learning something very practical and something they know is going to have a really positive impact for them on the rest of their lives not just now as a young person but for the rest of their lives so we just we know that there is that need and it's not just you know us saying oh you should be doing this there's a huge demand that we know from our young person's money index that young people are worried about money and they do want some specific education in it absolutely and i mean i would also add i think there's a lot of evidence from schools in other areas important areas about people's adult lives where 
you know, there's very strong evidence that what you do in the school can make a difference. I mean, if you look, for example, at things like rates of uh, taking illegal drugs and drinking amongst um, young people, I mean, these have been, I think, quite strongly affected by the work done in schools. And the, the picture there is improving rates of teenage pregnancy. I mean, if you decide to address some of these problems and you do it in a systematic way, as, as has been done in those areas, you can actually make a really big difference. It's just a question of deciding to do it. Absolutely. And doing it in a systematic, in, in a systematic way. Yeah. And at the moment, no one at the right level and I'm talking here about the Department of Education and the regulatory framework around education, no one at the right level has actually taken a firm decision that this really matters and needs addressing systematically. And that's the fundamental problem. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think it, one of the things that is quite interesting is that um, the agenda with the Department for Education is obviously there's quite a big focus on what we call English baccalaureate subjects. So, um, you know, your English, your maths, your science, your humanities. And whilst I would agree with that, your more technical levels, understanding the practical side, having that at a level two, a level one or a level two or a level three A level um that if there just isn't a big enough focus on that with the department for understanding the value. And unfortunately, because schools are measured so closely by progress eight measured, value added, schools have to go along with a system by which they are, you know, rated. So therefore, if, if those subjects don't carry that kind of weighting, they just won't deliver them. And, and you know, I, I again, I do feel I am, I am a teacher myself. I taught in a quite a tough challenging school in London for five years and the schools have real problems and real issues and you know one of which is again often money so having teachers to be able to deliver allowing teachers time off I mean that's one of the other issues is teachers getting some really good CPD we offer CPD every month in our offices in London for teachers to come in and to give them the confidence and the knowledge to deliver. But sometimes getting teachers out of schools is almost impossible, even though we're saying, you know, come in and we'll give you this whole day training. We, we often just cannot get teachers out of schools to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, but of course, you know, it's worth pointing out that, you know, very good support to help educate the educators in this area does exist. I mean, for example, an, an organisation like Young Money is, mm. is you know, devoted to doing the, exactly that work. Um, and where they're able to do it, you know, the, the signs are that it makes a real difference and, and it, it adds real value for pupils. I mean, you know, that, that you know, I, th I think it's also worth asking, you know, well, apart from the Department for Education changing its view here, what needs to happen? And I, I, I think there are some encouraging things, uh, as I touched on in the in the chapter of the book, that, that we should uh, acknowledge here. I mean, and one of them is, I think, that the, you know, the refocusing of MAS, of the Money Advice Service, um, around this sort of area has been a positive. You know, they were obviously heavily criticised in 2013, in their previous guise. And I think the way that they've reinvented the organisation to concentrate a bit more on areas like education and capability in finance is positive. And another thing I think is positive that I also point out is that they have actually um, done some work to 
do proper academic evaluation of some of the initiatives that are being carried out in the classroom. And of course, until you actually start to really evaluate some of the teaching initiatives and the work, for example, that's done by the charities delivering financial education, you don't really get a strong sense of what actually works in this area with different age groups of children. And I think that, again, is a key part of the knowledge that needs to be assembled here is what is the most effective way to deliver this? And can we demonstrate that it's effective in a rigorous way? Um, and, you know, we're a long way from doing that in a lot of schools because it's so marginal and it's being delivered by non-specialists in time that they really don't have to spare in the main um, in order to comply with a, a sort of set of requirements which are not the most important placed on the school. Yeah. They're not yeah. core subjects. I think you make a really good point there. We, um, we have a, an educational forum which we host every month and uh, money, MAS, which is now obviously money and pension service, play a key part in that, along with the money charity, um, ourselves, uh, Young Money and my bank. And what I think is really interesting is we have seen that shift with money and pension service that whilst they felt it, it, we felt that at times they were very much quite research driven in the past, which of course is hugely important. One of the things they are starting to look at is exactly what you say. So they are now making pots of money available for people to be able to go into specific areas and deliver either CPD or, you know, some form of financial education. But you do make a really valid point, which is that what is, what is the most impactful way of doing that? Is it running sessions where parents are brought in as well? I, I think the jury's out on what what is the most impactful thing at the moment. I mean, the, the progress thing, I think, is quite interesting about where, you know, where have we got in the last five years and where would we like to get to? I think it does feel as though financial education is, be is becoming a bigger issue. It does feel that when you go to a lot of events, there's a lot more people now talking about it. But I suppose until the Department for Education and until Ofsted really, I mean, if you said to me, what is the one single thing that would give us more progress? It, it would have to be it going on the Ofsted framework and it being actually formally something that is monitored during visits. Because until you do that, schools will still choose to opt in and opt out. And they'll be very um, piecemeal about how they deliver it. Whereas if it is formally being, um, if someone's going to come in and inspect on it, they will approach it, they will give the, the teacher's time off for CPD, they will approach it in a much more um, structured way and they'll evaluate it in a much more structured way because they'll have to provide a set of data to show how impactful it has been. And I think that is the single, for me, and most of my colleagues would agree with me, it's the one thing that could change that would make yeah. a difference. Yeah, I know. I think that's I think that's absolutely right. I mean, my my sort of perception is that we are moving slowly in the right direction. Um, you know, as you say, uh, the the money and pension service. A lot of the actors are sort of coalescing around the important ideas. I think progress is being made. There is a sort of general sense. Um, in the educational sector or in the charity sector about where we need to go. I don't think we're going there fast enough, but I think, you know, we are, it, it, there is a sort of positive direction of movement. Um, I mean, the things I'd like to see um, 
would obviously be um, a, a greater focus, as you say, around the Ofsted framework in the, within the Department of Education. And I mean, this is an area where I do think that the financial services industry can actually play a really positive role because the people at the top of those organisations are, you know, influential, well-connected individuals. And if they, and they do, and their people do have access at ministerial level and at the senior civil service level, and I think, you know, they need to be using that access to argue that the education of the future generations of their customers is a really important matter, you know, not least because they've paid a lot of money in conduct fines for mis-selling, which might happen a bit less if people were a bit more financially savvy. Yeah, I, um, I think, again, that's it's a really good point and it would be certainly nice to to see that more a bit more collaboration between those two and them using maybe some of their <clears throat> positions of, of knowledge or power to try to talk to them about everything that you've just said to be honest with you but I think there also needs to be the appetite within the department I mean obviously we've had quite a lot of political instability over the last two to three years and I, I think it's probably fair to say the focus on this amongst other departments probably hasn't been there but now that we are hopefully in a more stable position you know you would hope that some of those conversations might start happening whereby um the department can see that this is incredibly important. And like you say, it, you, we're making responsible uh, citizens. We're making, if we if we financially educate, it's not just about people understanding the difference between a, a credit card and a debit card. There's so many other issues involved. I mean, one, one issue, for example, is, is fraud. We know that young people are one of the at-risk groups of, of fraud now. It used to be old people and that they are still within that category but a lot of young people are falling into issues of fraud because they again they don't understand because money's become so much more digital it's in some respects it's so much easier the biggest challenge a lot of banks face because of the digital revolution is the security you know and I think young people just don't quite understand that I think they're quite vulnerable because they're not getting a financial education to giving their details to people or getting involved in schemes that are going to put them in a, a bad financial position at quite a young age. Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, but it, it, it does strike me, I know this may be fanciful, but it does strike me that, you know, the, um, the expressed agenda of the government, uh, the new government, about, if you like, this phrase of levelling up the regions, I mean, Part of that, I think, does need to be ensuring that people are able, you know, to manage money more effectively. If you want them to have more of it and to keep more of it, they need they need a better help in managing it. And I do think that, you know, there's a reason to think that this is actually part of the solution. I hope that it's seen that way uh, because I do think that, you know, it's it, it needs several years of concerted action and a recognition that, this is something that we sort of we owe to future generations. Yeah, because that one of the problems, of course, is I think I I touched on it at the very beginning. Is this idea of of um, a circle of debt? It's like everything in in that often people who are not getting financial education at home or are not getting it at school, if they're coming from families where their own parents or the 
people who their carers are looking after them can't manage money, they're probably highly likely to end up in an awful lot of debt themselves. So there's even more need in certain areas where that happens. So, you know, if you've got, got young people who are living at home and they're getting good advice at home or, or money is being talked about at home, there isn't quite so much need, but it's where the problem is. It, that cycle just keeps going. Um, I visited a school in South Manchester uh, probably about a year ago and um they had been running one of our programs. They'd taken a group of um, young boys who they'd identified there was issues at home and some, most most of which were debt. And they had them on um, one of our courses. And it was just hugely, hugely successful. And we went to visit them. And I um, actually went with the shadow education minister, Mike Kane, to it was actually his old school in South Manchester. And we went to meet these young boys. And it was just I think it's one of the best school visits I've ever done where, you know, these young boys were just talking about the fact that all they hear constantly at home is issues of debt and payday loans. And this course had made them really think, actually, I don't need to be in that situation. There are ways around that and I can manage my money a little bit better. So we do have lots of really nice success stories um, from students and from teachers who are either delivering our quals or some of our charity partners, the work they're doing, that is just hugely impactful. We just we just need more of it. Yeah, 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 that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, th- this is a problem like many others that can be solved, can be improved, if not solved. We can make a positive difference here. There's no doubt about it. And we have a lot of the knowledge that we need to make that difference. It's actually, as I said before, it's the concerted decision to make the difference that's what it takes and you know that's the key bit that we're lacking i think if we decided that this was a national if you like it slightly melodramatically a national emergency and we needed to address it we could address it quite quickly actually i agree and i i do feel there is an appetite in schools i mean when we visit schools to talk to them about our quals or our courses, we do often hit two or three barriers around, um, you know, mainly costs, um, teachers to deliver. But it's not a lack of appetite. Most leaders in schools understand that there is this need and they really want to make sure that the young people are leaving with this as a life skill. But they just have this barrier and it's interesting in Wales is actually very interesting because obviously there's a devolved ed- education system and the, the Welsh government, the Welsh Department for Education have said it's one of their top priorities. Um, and that's made a, a massive difference. So where we might only be in a few schools in each LEA in, in England, we, we're in pretty much most schools in Wales. And we've actually been running a project with um, Principality Building Society for well over a year now as part of their corporate social responsibility. They have been really good at saying to us, well, what we'll do, we'll work with you. You identify the schools in the really challenging areas, probably predominantly in the valleys in Wales. And um, we're identifying groups of young people who really need this. Sometimes it's whole cohorts of year nine, 10 and 11. So some schools have got three, 400 young people on our qualifications and they are personally funding that. So that's a really outstanding model where, you know, they're really directly able to see how impactful they're being 
Um, they go in, they're involved in the schools, they'll go in and help the delivery of the curriculum, they give uh, staff go in and give talks to make the bring some of the subjects alive. So we've got this really nice model that we know works really well. We, we'd just like to emulate that for the rest of the UK. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, as I said, I think you're. I think that's it. I mean, we do know a lot of what works, and and we do know that if you can just create the space for it, it can be done. Yeah. Um, but I think it, you know, it it, it is a sub. It, it's a it's a classic example of a subject. I think where it makes sense perhaps to have some of the provision at least provided at a sort of more regional level, because otherwise you. You know, you can't necessarily support a lot of specialist expertise in every individual school separately. But if you can sort of create a resource which a group of schools draw on, then I think, you know, you can make it you can make the delivery a lot more efficient as well. Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting talking to you. I think your chapter in the book is is really insightful um, and makes the point that that we're all saying we just we need some action now. We're all we're all saying the same thing. I think we we you know which is which is really good to hear. We just need people at the top and the decision makers to to be listening to us and uh, moving things forward. That's it. That's it. And I do think, as I say, I do think that's an area where very senior people in the financial services industry can make a lot of difference because they do have the access. And if if, if the industry is able to provide a bit of a push in this area, I think things could move on. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. It's been brilliant. Hopefully, next time we talk, it'll be a more we'll have more positive news. <laughs> yes, let's hope. Thanks for listening to the London Institute of Banking and Finance podcast. You can subscribe to hear more. If you want to find out more about our 140th anniversary book, which covers all the issues surrounding the finance industry today and for the future, please have a look on our website. You can also find out more about our financial capability qualifications in the study section of our website.